Hey guys, it's Derek. We're back on the podcast. And this week, Ashley and I are sitting down to talk about sleep. Sleep is something that we don't touch on very often, but is incredibly important to our overall health, wellness, and just mindset. And so today we wanted to take some time, dive into the science of sleep, keeping it as high level as possible, not geeking out too much, talking about why we need sleep, and most importantly, how we can improve our sleep quality as well as the duration of sleep that we're getting on a daily basis and how those things will positively impact our quality of life. We really hope you enjoy the episode, that you'll be able to take some of these tips, tricks, and strategies to improve your sleep and move yourself toward greater health, greater quality of life, and ultimately towards those fitness goals. Without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is episode number 50. Ash, can you believe 50 episodes? No. We, wow. We haven't missed a week yet. One. Yeah, but we made up for it because we yeah. did an additional episode. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. But guys, today is episode 50, and today we are talking about sleep. And the episode is titled, How Much Sleep Do You Really Need? And so we'll dive into that topic here in a moment, but we'll start off with our usual updates for you, life updates, ballistic performance updates, and then we'll get into the conversation. So life updates first and foremost. Ash, what are we doing this weekend? We are pumpkin picking and carving. That's right. We're going to make some jack-o'-lanterns and hopefully Skylar won't beat us in carving her first pumpkin, right? She's one. Yeah. She ain't going to be carving the pumpkin, but maybe her parents will be more skilled than we are. At carving the pumpkin. We'll find out. Anyway, we're going to be doing that this weekend. So getting into some fall festivities. We, uh, we've we figured out that chocolate is going to be the death of us. Because yeah. TikTok sent us a Halloween treat. And it was a giant... Muffin. S- yeah, giant muffin made out of chocolate and filled with chocolate-covered pretzels. If you've never had Sarah's... Is it Sarah's, Sarah's candy? Candies. Yeah. Get some specifically the chocolate covered pretzels yeah anyway they sent us to they sent this to us we had to break it open with a mallet then we broke it into a a bunch of little pieces and now it's in our fridge and each night we're just in the back of the fridge because anytime i open the fridge my mouth started watering when i saw it (laughs) so each night we're trying to limit the amount of chocolate that we are taking in but it is difficult uh also today we are installing our barbell rack not a squat rack but a barbell rack to hang them on the wall so we are no longer peasants who allow their barbells to lean in the corner of the wall right yeah (laughs) anyway and uh then lastly we got our asses kicked a few times this week in some training (laughs) sessions so that was a big old slice of humble pie like we said in our instagram post and uh yeah it was a good week hard week of training (laughs) yeah it was uh, in terms of ballistic updates, what did we get in the mail yesterday, Ash? We got the new first form chocolate peanut butter pretzel protein bars, and they are amazing. Amazing. They are so good. I mean, I love the peanut butter one already. I don't even know if that's the correct uh, I think it's peanut flavor. butter crunch. Peanut butter crunch. I think you're right. I love that one, but... The chocolate peanut butter pretzel is also very, very good. Yeah. Uh, so if you guys are interested in those, like hit us up. We'll tell you more about the bars, why we choose first form, 
all that good stuff, but we are beyond impressed with everything that we've had thus far with our partnership with them. And then, uh, you know, Apparel is Live. We've had that up now for, I think, about a week. And so that's on our store. You can go and check that out. The link is in our Instagram bio. We are linking that to our website as we speak. And, yeah, make sure you get on there. Check it out. We have the 3C collection out, which just means caring, confident, capable. And those are the kind of individuals that we are trying to create through all of the ballistic performance programming. So be sure to get on there and get yourself some gear. Uh, Next, we are in the process of lining up guests for the podcast in November. We've got an awesome one lined up to kick things off. And hopefully as these next few days go on, we'll be able to lock in and solidify the rest of our guests throughout the month. It is going to be awesome. We are going to have an incredible amount of experienced, knowledgeable, passionate individuals on the show. And it's going to be freaking awesome. And then uh, lastly, we are prepping for the photo shoot that is taking place in November. I believe it's the middle of November. Ashley would be able to correct me on that there. But we are preparing for that photo shoot. So that means we are focusing on the quality of foods that we're eating. We are ensuring that we are in a caloric deficit and making sure that we have the physique that we want as we go towards that photo shoot. So that's really important to note, right? We don't naturally look the way that we are going to look in those photos and that's okay and that's how 99% of the industry is and that's something you need to understand right people don't walk around at three and four and five percent body fat with shredded abs and nice legs year-round they go through phases they literally put themselves in deficits for specific purposes but I think that wraps up The ballistic updates. Ash, do you have anything to add there? I don't think so. Fantastic. Well, let's get into the conversation today then, and that is, as we mentioned, sleep. So, Ash, why don't you kind of lead us through here, and we'll uh, chip away at this one question at a time. Yeah. So, starting with, why do we need sleep? Yeah, well, obviously sleep is an essential component of all our lives, right? Mm -hmm. We need sleep to recharge our not only our bodies, but our minds as well, and so... Uh, One thing to note is that poor sleep quality or sleep deprivation, it compromises cognitive function. It compromises a lot of different aspects of our bodies. And so that is why we need to incorporate this into or make this a priority of our lives. So it impairs things like our ability to concentrate, to think clearly, and even process and recall memories. Um, You know, sleep is really just what allows us to recover on a daily basis. And so it's a really important topic and something that we need to discuss. Uh, Not to mention that chronic sleep deprivation and poor sleep quality has been associated with increased risk for obesity, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, poor mental health, uh, heart disease, if I didn't say that already, impaired glucose, increased inflammation, etc. There's all kinds of side effects or we'll say outcomes that are associated with poor sleep or sleep deprivation. And so it's really important that we cover this topic, that we outline exactly what we can do to help improve our sleep and some of the really simple science behind it. Absolutely. Awesome. With that being said, how much sleep do we actually need? Yeah. So I think a lot of people know this, if you ask them, right, Mm -hmm. they've heard this enough to where it's I'd say it's almost like common knowledge now of we need about seven to nine hours of sleep per night as adults. Mm -hmm. It obviously changes with children and teens. They need 
more sleep. They need more like eight to 10 hours of sleep. But as adults, we need seven to nine hours of sleep per night. And now there are, you know, all kinds of factors that impact how much sleep we need. And, you know, it's really dependent on our overall health, our daily activity, our typical sleep patterns, etc. But there are some questions that, you know, we can ask ourselves to help us kind of dial in where we need to be in terms of our sleep. So, for example, you know, are you productive and healthy and happy when you have a specific amount of sleep? For example, seven hours. When you get seven hours of sleep, are you productive? Are you healthy? Are you happy? Mm-hmm. If that answer, oh, Coda is barking at our lawn service guy out front here. If you are happy, healthy, and productive with seven hours, then you're in a good place. If you do not feel those things with seven hours, you probably need more sleep, mm-hmm. right? Really simple. Uh, you know, do you have any coexisting health condi- conditions, like any comorbidities, anything that would impact the quality of your sleep? Do you have high levels of energy expenditure? You know, are you exercising? Do you have a laborious job? Are you competing in sport or any kind of training? And, uh, you know, continuing on, do your activities and our profession require alertness? You know, are you doing something that if you're groggy, if you're fatigued, if you're tired, you're sleepy, could it compromise your safety? Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, you definitely need to prioritize, right? And then do you depend on caffeine throughout the day? Are you someone who has to have three cups in the morning, two in the afternoon at lunch, and then another one just to get you through the final hour of the day before you come home and before you know you've had six, seven, eight hundred milligrams of caffeine plus just to get you through your day? So all those are questions that we can ask ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Anything to add there? I don't think so. Fantastic. Cruising right along. Uh, What are kind of the basics of sleep science or... In other, in other words, what should we know about sleep? Yeah, so I don't want to get too geeked out on the, the science here, but I do want to cover some basics, and I also don't want to geek out too much because I'm no expert when it comes to sleep, so I'm not going to pretend that I am. But this is all legitimate evidence that is supported by the research, that's supported by the science, so we can at least review some of this. So to put it simply, your body has an internal clock, right? I'm sure everybody has heard of this in in some way or another. And that basically controls when we're awake and when our body is ready for sleep. And typically that clock has a 24-hour repeating rhythm. And some people have probably also heard the term circadian rhythm, and that's what that is, right? Your circadian rhythm is a 24-hour repeating rhythm or internal clock that lets you know when it's time to be awake and when it's time to be asleep. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense so far? Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome. And now that rhythm, the circadian rhythm, is really controlled by two processes. One is a pressure to sleep that actually accumulates throughout the day. So from the moment you wake up to the moment you're getting in bed, there's pressure building for your body to go to sleep, right? It it occurs in the brain and it's due to some chemicals and uh, some things like that that we won't dive into, but there's a pressure that accumulates throughout the day. And at night, that pressure is basically broken down. So the chemical that I mentioned is called adenosine, and that accumulates throughout the day. And then when we go to sleep at night, adenosine is broken down, so we can basically restart that process again. Now, the second thing is basically the fact that our internal clock sinks off of environmental cues. And so this is something that's talked about pretty frequently, like with sleep, right? 
the the light is obviously an indicator that we should be awake we should be alert the darkness is something that tells us it's time to start winding down and going to bed uh and you know our body releases hormones throughout this daily rhythm in conjunction with those environmental cues so it's all part of this greater system you know when it's when it's light outside our body is releasing cortisol in in specific amounts or adequate amounts to make sure that we are stimulated that we're awake cortisol is not always a bad thing and then when it's nighttime, when it's dark, our body starts to release melatonin. And mm-hmm. most people know what melatonin is, right? Like that's the hormone that's going to cause you to feel sleepy and wants you to actually go to bed. Yeah. And so those are really the two things that are that are controlling that internal clock or that circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll dive more into the things that I had mentioned, like how light and dark affects the, those hormones and the release of those things. Uh, one one thing to note as well, and I just thought this was a fun fact that I came across doing the research for this podcast, is that the rhythm and timing of that internal clock, we had mentioned that it changes with age or that the amount of sleep that you're required to have changes with age. But with this, one thing they noted was that as teens, the reason they fall asleep later at a younger age compared to adults is that the melatonin is released and peaks at later times in the 24-hour cycle. Hmm. So I thought that was unique, right? So it's not that they are just dumbass teenagers who want to stay up all night or kids who don't want to go to bed at their bedtime. There's actually research showing that the melatonin is released and peaks later in the 24-hour cycle. And as a result, it's natural for teens to want to go to bed later than adults. Okay. Interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. That is. Fun fact of the day. All right, so we're continuing on. What do we got next? Stages of sleep. What are they? Yeah, so again, this is something that I just wanted to briefly touch on. I don't want to dive too deep into the science behind it, but uh, most folks who care about their sleep in any capacity have probably heard of something called REM sleep, right? And that's just one of the stages. And there's actually four stages of sleep, and they repeat cyclically throughout the night. And for most people, each stage lasts somewhere between 90 minutes and 120 minutes. So like an hour and a half to two hours. And the first stage is just called stage one and REM or non-REM sleep. That's our transition from being like awake or wakefulness to sleep. Mm-hmm. So it's really light sleep. Uh, it's when our muscles start to relax, heart rate and ventilation rate start to slow. And it usually lasts, like I had mentioned, several minutes or I shouldn't say like I'd mentioned, but it lasts several minutes leading into these other phases or these other stages. Now, stage two, again, really created name, stage two NREM or non-REM, that's a little bit of a deeper sleep. So the heart rate and your breathing continuing to slow further, your eye movements actually start to cease and your core temperature drops. And this is typically the longest of the four stages. And most people probably heard the eye movements thing and thought that's kind of odd, but the eye movements are just indicative of your of your cognitive activity. And so as you fall into this deeper sleep, that is going to slow or, or completely cease. Now, stage three non-REM or NREM, that plays an important role in making sure you wake up and feel refreshed and alert. And so this sleep, your high rate breathing and your brain activity are at the lowest levels. Um, this stage is typically longer at first and then decreases throughout the night. But that's our stage three. And then finally, we have REM sleep. And this is what most people have heard or at least or maybe are even familiar with. But REM sleep 
typically occurs about 90 minutes after you fall asleep, the first stage of it. And so when that happens, your eyes actually start to move back and forth. So cognitive activity changes in a way that now your eyes are rapidly moving back and forth, which makes sense because REM is short for rapid eye movement. Mm -hmm. And when we're there, breathing and heart rate and blood pressure actually all increase slightly. This is typically where dreams occur, right? So for some people who never have dreams, you're probably not moving into this stage. And uh, another thing to note is that your arms and legs often become like temporary paralyzed, temporarily, I said that incorrectly, Mm -hmm. paralyzed. And uh, as I was doing the research for this, one thing that the experts are concluding, or I should say hypothesizing, is that that temporary paralysis they believe it's due to the fact or to prevent you from acting out your dreams. So I thought that oh, was interesting as well. I didn't know that. Yeah, fun. I'm just dropping all kinds of fun facts. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that temporary paralysis to prevent you from acting out your dreams, or at least that's what they, they're hypothesizing. Um, like I had mentioned, you know, the duration of this is going to increase as the night progresses. It starts about that 90-minute mark after you fall asleep, and then depending on your sleep quality, it could go on for, for a much longer period of time. Uh, and REM sleep has also been associated with memory consolidation, uh, which is basically just a process of converting recently learned experiences into long-term memories. Mm-hmm. And so you and I had actually talked about this when I was studying for power, studying my scripts, mm-hmm. to make sure I went to bed. And it was the last thing I looked at before I went to bed and I got adequate amount of sleep because there is actually science to that, that you will, with adequate sleep, with REM sleep, start to learn and process things to transition them into long-term memories. Mm-hmm. And then uh, last thing to note here with REM is just that the duration of it actually decreases as you age. So get it while you can. <laughs> Fantastic. Anything to add there? Uh, are we talking at all about how to track those i wasn't going to track though or talk about tracking those but if you want to i'll just throw it in tangent on that yeah yeah so you can't track that with your watch y'all okay that's what i was hoping you were gonna say because i was really confused when you just said are we gonna talk about tracking you literally (laughs) have to be hooked up to is it called an ecg monitor yeah uh so literally you have to be in the hospital you have to be in a controlled setting they need to monitor your damn brain yeah your brain waves brain activity to tell which uh stage stage you're in i was gonna say sleep stage yeah it <laughs> doesn't matter if you've got in. a 700 garmin phoenix yeah 10s <laughs> the, or if you have a 50 dollar fitbit yeah the watches are really nice because they give you an idea of when you fall asleep and when you wake up. But that is it. Like, that's it. There you go. <laughs> you heard it here, guys. All right, so continuing on, you want to talk about how we can improve sleep? Yeah. Let's do it. So number one, what do we need to do? We need to make it a priority. Sounds similar, right? We talk about that <laughs> with nutrition. We talk about that with fitness. Guys, it never changes. If you want to make a change, if you want to improve something, anything in life, not just fitness, nutrition, and sleep, you have to make it a priority. You have to make time for it. Mm -hmm. Your TV show is not more important than your sleep. The football game is not more important than your sleep. Going out and having a drink with your friends is not more important than your sleep, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, let's talk about focusing on sleep hygiene. So number one, is sticking to the same sleep schedule Mm -hmm. every day 
including weekends, try to get it as close as you can. Yeah. And I understand you might want to sleep an extra hour on the weekend or whatever it may be. That's not going to kill you, but try to be as consistent as possible. Yeah, I was actually reading something about this. If you feel like you need to sleep significantly longer on the weekend to like quotation marks like catch up on your sleep which isn't a thing by the way they, yeah they actually recommend you add 15 minutes every day throughout the week and then only add a half an hour or feel like you have to add a half an hour on the weekend interesting okay yeah. what's the next thing we can do uh improving your bedroom environment so basically that means what make it cozy make it cozy black uh blackout curtains candles yeah candles just make it a place where you feel relaxed that's right uh next thing would be limit the time in your bed limit yeah. it to sleep and sex only yeah i don't care if you're working from home and you don't have to get out of your pajamas all day get out of your bed mm -hmm. do work in another room your bedroom should be like a sacred place again sleep and sex only in the bed everything else you need to cut that out of the bedroom Take yeah. your TV out of the bedroom. Take all that crap out of there. Just sleep and sex. Mm -hmm. What we got next? Establish establishing and practicing an evening or pre-bed routine to unwind and relax. Yeah. So what's your routine look like? <laughs> Mine's long. <laughs> so uh, I love like my ideal. I take a bath one to two hours before every single night. Uh, Notice she said ideal. She doesn't do that every night. No, I do that like two to three times a week. That's one of my priorities. Uh, then I brush my teeth, wash my face, and I read. How long do you read for? Mm, I'm in a really good book. So ideally, <laughs> 10, 15 minutes if it's usually like 30 minutes because I can't put the book down. <laughs> And my routine is a little different. I pretty much come in like I get I guess I can start a little earlier. I'll if we're winding down at the end of the night, we're probably watching like 30 minutes to an hour of TV. Mm -hmm. Then we'll stop that. We'll get ourselves ready, you know, brush our teeth, that whole deal. And then for me, I simply just get into bed, turn my phone on, vibrate. And because I don't wake up to a vibration like if I don't need to turn it on. Do not disturb. It would take a miracle for me to wake up from a vibration <laughs> and then I read but I only read for about 10 minutes if that because mm -hmm. I get extremely uh drowsy I guess not not drowsy is that the right word I get extremely sleepy as soon as I start reading so it doesn't take much for me to just knock myself out with a with a book yeah I think too uh I don't know if you have this one in here, but if you're laying in bed for more than 20 minutes, unable to fall asleep, get out of bed. And it kind of goes back to like limit time in bed to sleep and sex only. If you aren't able to fall asleep within 20 minutes, go to the couch, read, do something relaxing. Don't turn on the TV because that blue light, but try to do something like meditate, journal, <laughs> do a coloring book like there's so many options there you go 
Uh, next, we can upgrade our mattress and pillows. When is the last time you bought a freaking mattress? When is the last time you changed your pillows? Probably way too long. Oh, I love new pillows. We only have a new mattress because we moved. <laughs> or yeah, else a we, lot. <laughs> yeah, we've moved a lot. So we have new mattress and we actually have new pillows as well. But most folks end up having their mattress for 5, 10, 15 years plus. Never change it. They'll flip it maybe. And then their pillows are just as bad. You've got to have quality mattress, quality pillows. That's going to help improve the quality of your sleep. Yeah. What we got next? Uh, Minimize exposure to lights and sound. So this goes back to the our internal clock. And with lights, if it's possible, try to dim them. Now, we live in an apartment and our lights are very fluorescent which is very super frustrating but if you have the ability dim them and if you can try to switch them to red lights in the evening it's something with blue lights uh make our brain like more active red light actually does not do that so just keep extra red bulbs in every room of the house (laughs) and it'll be easy right (laughs) Yeah. yeah that one's more like I don't know. That's freak show status. Yeah, I don't know. If you need a nightlight, for example, okay, I think that's where, what you should use it for. There we go. Except our neighbor does have a red room. But a blue room, I thought. No, I saw it red one night. Okay. He, just, yeah. he changes the bulbs. Yeah. We're just... <laughs> uh, what's the next one? Uh, next, we got mm-hmm. crank up that AC. Okay. I get it. Some people don't like the AC. If it's cold out, open the window. But the research is showing that an ideal sleeping temperature is somewhere right around 65 degrees so like anywhere from 63 to 67 like somewhere in that realm is going to be more conducive to better sleep so if you're someone who's like against turning on the ac i don't know what to tell you i'm just letting you know it's probably if impacting your sleep in some way or another if Mm -hmm. you're sleeping in 70 72 plus degrees it's not going to crank up your energy bill that much to turn it down a couple degrees at night and like i said if that's not the case open the window get some of that cool air in there Mm -hmm. what we got next take a hot bath or shower my favorite i left i did this in that order so you could say that one (laughs) uh so for this one it's been shown to increase your body temperature obviously because you're taking a hot cold or hot cold hot shower or bath and it helps decrease that body temperature, which Derek explained happens as we move through those stages of sleep. Yeah. And uh, next we got, you know, turning your phone on do not disturb, maybe 30, even 60 minutes before bed. I need to get better at this. Like I pretty much have my phone on me right until I get into bed. And then sometimes I'm still even doing some last second things before I go to sleep. Yeah. But it makes a big difference because, again, you're not getting exposed to the blue light. You're not stimulating like that cognitive activity by possibly doing work or just looking at social media or whatever it may be. So if you can do that, start making it a priority. Turn your phone off. Go put it in the bedroom. You know, hook it up to the charger and come back into the living room. I'm going to say something different. What are you going to say? With a lot of my clients, buy an alarm clock and do not bring your phone in your room. Or that. Like, then you're not tempted. Yeah, That's if, you, it. if you have no self-control. <laughs> yeah, but and it, but it's not even self-control. It's just like, it just makes it easier. Leave it out. Leave yeah, it out I'm just saying it, it takes away that temptation. So yeah. if you're struggling with that little bit of self-control, then you just get rid of it. Eliminate mm-hmm. it. 
Uh, yeah, but I like that old school alarm clock. We have one. We don't use it though. I'm buying one for Christmas. It's on my side. I know. I'm buying one of those light ones. Oh, she wants a natural light alarm. Yeah. She fancy. Yeah. I get up before her, so it's fine. It won't bother me. Yeah, I ask you to turn the lights on, but you don't. Anyways. Anyways, continuing <laughs> on. Next, monitor your caffeine intake throughout the day. So most people consume way too much caffeine as is, but the problem is that you're consuming it throughout the entire day and you're not limiting it to the morning, the early afternoon. And caffeine has a half-life of about five hours. So that means if you consume 300 milligrams of caffeine, it takes about five hours for 150 milligrams of that to exit the system. So you still have another 150 milligrams. Obviously, it's not potent like as if I just drank it, but it's still in the system impacting my body in some way. Mm -hmm. So you really need to be careful of when you're consuming caffeine. Yeah, I just realized it's 12 p.m. when we're recording this. I haven't had caffeine at all yet. Oh, yeah, because I had some pre-workout, but you didn't. Yeah. I would, my, I would oh, have a migraine. no. We'll get some pumpkin <laughs> coffee after this. Uh, next one is supplementing with magnesium. So one of my favorites is with Zoo Nutrition. They just have a magnesium glycinate, and it's just for general relaxation, tightness, headaches, and... Basically, it balances our excitatory calcium in our body. Uh, I've noticed a huge difference from it. I, I went from taking two tablets like they recommend to one because I don't even know if I've told you this, but I think that had something to do with my legs like spasming. You which told is, me. Yeah, so odd. But some other ways, if you don't want to supplement with it, it can be found in avocado, dark chocolate, which is awesome that we eat that every night anyways <laughs> almonds. by the way we only eat two pieces each yeah, yeah out yeah. of a bar we're not eating an entire bar and we're eating 86 percent exactly like it's dark dark chocolate uh spinach and pumpkin seeds awesome uh now these next couple items here this is for anyone listening that is a shift worker so mm -hmm. i wanted to throw this in here uh. just in case uh you may happen to be a shift worker and i know a lot of times shift workers struggle with sleep so number my, one, I was just going to say my heart hurts for shift workers and sleep because we, I, we work with a lot with, yeah, I don't, env I don't envy any of them. Let's just say that yeah, it's, it's hard, <laughs> but, uh, some of the things you can do if you're a shift worker, number one, take naps when you can to increase overall sleep hours per day. Now that might not be possible, right? You might, maybe you have your schedule down really, really well. And you know, as soon as you get off shift, you can go right to bed, et cetera. But if you're not able to do that, some of the research is showing that if you take these 15, 20-minute naps incrementally throughout the day, when you're supposed to be sleeping, if you can't get into full sleep, that will still improve things in some capacity. Uh, next, keep the lights bright at work. So if you're someone who is working on shift and there tends to be a dark room, try to brighten that up in some way. Try to expose yourself to more light. Again, that impacts your internal clock, so that should help you stay more alert and more focused. Uh, limit caffeine intake to the first part of your shift. That way, by the time you are done with your shift, that half-life has already expired. You're not feeling as stimulated or as awake and alert, and your body's ready to start winding down and going to bed. And then lastly, eliminate all sounds and lights from your bedroom as much as you can during the daytime. Yeah. Something that I do with every single one of my shift workers is we create an ideal sleep schedule for every day. So on, I'm going to do quotation marks like on a normal person day, on when they work at night day, 
and that transition day because a transition day is the hardest one. Um, and ideally, again, with shift workers, I pray to God that you're able to like have a consistent night uh, or a consistent work schedule that you're not randomly, randomly nights, randomly days that gets even harder. So as a shift worker, just try to figure out what works best for you. There is not a lot of research. I've done a ton. There is not a lot of research that is like, this is the key to success. <laughs> Got it. I wish there was. <laughs> Solid. All right. Uh, next category, our favorite, physical activity and exercise. Now, uh, a lot of people will tell you that, yeah, it's it's fact, right? Physical activity and exercise are going to improve your sleep quality. Now, that may be true. That research is actually extremely limited, and the majority of the data that's out there is subjective, meaning there's not actual concrete data, concrete proof that there are associations or that there's even you know, causation. So a lot of this is subjective, but it's been subjective in a positive light. Like there has been positive findings, but again, they are just subjective. And so uh, one of the... One of the theories we'll say is that exercise and physical activity increase core body temperature. Now, that's not a theory. That's a fact, right? Exercise and physical activity increase core body temperature. Then later in the day, what happens is eventually that temperature begins to return to normal. You reach kind of that homeostasis again. And what they're saying is that they believe when that occurs, that triggers feelings of drowsiness or sleepiness to indicate to your body it's time to start to wind down and go back to sleep. So that's one of the the theories or hypotheses of it. Uh, another thing is that if you strive to complete, you know, 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity a day, which is just, you know, the ACSM's recommended guideline, you should be able to complete more than that if you're following any of our programs because they're an hour every day and 150 minutes equates to only 30 minutes a day. But that should also help improve sleep quality. At least they've found that subjectively that has helped folks sleep better or improve their sleep quality. Uh, another thing is that exercise helps stabilize your mood and decompress your mind in a way, right? So those things are naturally or are important for that natural transition into sleep. If your mind is racing, if you're thinking about all these things, then it's going to be harder to transition into sleep. Mm -hmm. And lastly, in regards to training exercise, a lot of the research is showing that there is or there are optimal times to train, those times being in the morning or in the early afternoon. And the reason for that is if you're training late at night, going back to what we said about core temperature rising and falling, if you're training late at night, there may not be enough time for that temperature to change and for that transition to occur. So you may lose some of that that effect, that feeling of sleepiness and drowsiness that occurs when that temperature returns to normal. Uh, and another thing is that exercise, specifically aerobic exercise, causes the release of endorphins, right? So that increases cognitive activity. It results in feeling alert and awake. And, you know, you kind of get like that quote unquote runner's high. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to come down from and transition into sleep as well. Yeah. Now I have a quick question. Hit me. If they, if an individual can only train in the evening, do you recommend that they still do that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm not saying you shouldn't work out at night. I'm saying it's more optimal to train in the afternoon yeah. 
and in the morning. It that's may all. affect your sleep a little more. Yeah, it may that. impact your sleep. That's all I'm saying. You can still train at night. It just might impact your ability to oh, fall asleep. I would not be able to do that. Thank God we can work out in the morning. Yeah, no, I would never. <laughs> never. All right. So wrapping things up here, we'll do a quick recap. Mm-hmm. Number one, you need to sleep seven to nine hours per night. Just know that right off the bat. Number yeah. two, both the duration and the quality of your sleep are important. So don't just focus on one or the other. It needs to be quality sleep and you need to achieve those seven to nine hours. Yep. Uh, next, benefits of sleep or getting adequate sleep and quality sleep include, but are not limited to, improved attention, learning and memory, decision making, weight regulation, immune health, mood, emotional resilience, etc. There are so many factors that are improved or enhanced by adequate and quality sleep so you need to make sure you're getting those things in at the top of the episode we talked about all the negatives so here at the bottom we're wrapping up with all the positives that are associated again that's improved attention learning and memory decision making weight regulation immune health mood emotional resilience and more yeah those are all really good things all really improved (laughs) we can improve sleep by doing what ash making it a priority sticking to a sleep schedule improving our bedroom environment, establishing a sleep routine, limiting time in bed to sleep and sex only, limiting technology before bed, limiting exposure to light and sounds, cranking up that AC. Or would it be cranking down? I can't decide. Uh, Whatever it is, make it Cranking up the AC, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Monitoring caffeine intake, especially in the afternoon, Living a physically active lifestyle and training. Boom. All right. And guys, just to wrap things up here, just so you know, like I had mentioned at the top of the episode, all of this information came from valid, incredible sources, including the Sleep Foundation, CDC, the NHLBI, as well as some research studies on PubMed. So you can do some fact checking on us if you really feel the need to. But we're giving you credible, reliable, and valid information here. Uh, But Overall, Ash, do you have any last words to say about sleep? The only thing that I can think of is how we just listed off the things that you can improve sleep. Don't tackle every single one. Like, don't feel overwhelmed by this episode if you're like, well, crap, I'm not doing any of those. Just focus on one thing at a time and gradually incorporate more. Yeah, that's a great point. If you feel overwhelmed, guys, it takes literally no effort to turn down the AC. So start there, right? Start with the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. Turn down your AC or open your window. Do it for a week or two. Exactly. And then from there, start taking some steps forward. But that is hands down the easiest one. Mm -hmm. So just start where uh, there's the least resistance. Absolutely. All right. And I think that's a great note to end on. So guys, we are going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening. And we will catch you next week. Bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or if you're here with us each and every week, we cannot thank you enough. We say this week in and week out, but we appreciate you guys so, so much. And if you enjoy what you hear on this podcast, please head over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment in there as well. That is how we gain more recognition. It's how we reach people and change lives through this platform. So please, please, please head that way and leave that review. Secondly, If you haven't checked it out yet, our apparel is live. Head to our Instagram bio. Click on that link. It says apparel and merchandise. 
check out the 3C collection that we have up there right now. There is a t-shirt, a tank top, and a sweatshirt, a crew neck sweatshirt, not a hoodie, available now. You can place those orders and we will hook you up with that Ballistic Performance swag. And also don't forget about our newest programs, Genesis, Revelation, and the Pull-Up Pursuit. Those are available on our website under the Ready to Go Programs tabs. We have enjoyed working with all of you so much. And again, we could not do this without you. We are so thankful to have you around. And we cannot wait to see you next week.